Best Friends Animal Society is working with members of our community to save the lives of homeless pets in shelters across Arkansas and the nation. At the center in Bentonville, you can meet adoptable pets, volunteer, or sign up to provide a foster home. There's a community pet food pantry, a do-it-yourself dog wash, and a weekly vaccine and microchip clinic. More at bestfriends.org slash NWA. This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, July 20th, 2023. I'm Timothy Dennis. And I'm Kyle Callums. And this is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Later this hour, a new $35 million renewable gas facility in Springdale. Paul Gatling explores what the facility might be able to do in this week's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. But first, an effort to bring the entire state up to speed with broadband access is underway. A statewide $840,000 study to examine Arkansas's digital needs is being directed by the Arkansas State Broadband Office. And the mayors of four towns in Carroll County, Eureka Springs, Green Forest, Berryville, and Holiday Island, have formed the Carroll County Broadband Committee to further show the need for broadband assistance there. A survey is part of an effort to help document the county is underserved with broadband coverage. That's in an effort to secure part of a $1.3 billion in funding coming to the state. Sandy Martin, the chair of the Eureka Springs Mayor's Task Force on Economic Development, says the survey results may offer a more representative landscape of broadband services than national maps do. We're doing a lot of research. We are also doing research into coverage and accessibility uh, to disprove the FCC maps because we feel that they're not accurate. They are basically a broader internet type base that show coverage, predominantly in our county, uh, satellite and Wi-Fi because of the terrain and the geography. So we have a challenge to prove that their map is wrong and that we have more need in Carroll County than they have identified. And so we're doing that research. We're doing the survey to give us two primary results. One is what kind of coverage do you have? What are you paying? Is it reliable? Uh, and are you happy? Um, so that will give us, we've gotten a lot of them back that they have cable, but it's sporadic, or that they do have uh, Cox cable but they're paying, and this isn't relative only to Cox, but they're paying over $90 a month for Internet service that is not delivering fast service and reliable service for them. And um, we are focusing on fiber because that's what the um, federal funding is based on, not just general availability or accessibility of satellite or Wi-Fi, because that doesn't cover our peaks and valleys and mountains. And you know the terrain of Eureka Springs, so <laughs> right. you can see the challenge. We've also researched and, and um, uh, talked to our, our committee meetings. We've had four so far, and we focus on different sectors that um, have critical impact uh, with internet, healthcare, for example, education, uh, we found out that uh, in education, the Eureka Springs School District has 23% of their students without home home availability of internet. Uh, Berryville was 26. 
That's one in four. Go. Uh, well, where do you hear Green Forest? Okay. 65%. Okay. 65%. 65%. Oh. Yes, sir. And, of course, they have, and they speak 10 languages in their school district. And um, what what the school districts have done, they provide iPads for the kids, and they have put Wi-Fi on all the buses, but that didn't help them at home. We had Mike Armstrong from Tyson uh, to focus on the agriculture and the business end of it in, in our last meeting. He was shocked in preparation before the meeting. He contacted um, several of his growers, and he said, I was shocked. Most of them are all still on dial-up. Is there a challenge if, if, like in Green Forest, if you have such a high percentage of people who don't even have access, is there a challenge to reaching people to ask them about their broadband or online uh, service if they don't have it and can't take the survey online, if you know what I mean? Right, right. And and that was one of our biggest concerns with the survey. Um, and we have a great partner, the Carroll Madison Library System. They stepped up to be the human point of contact. They also translated the sur- the survey into uh, Spanish for us. They have interpreters at each of the uh, libraries, and so and that's where a lot of these kids go to do their homework or do extracurricular activities. They're also helping us because they do some computer literacy and internet type um, training. They're going for a grant that's going to expand that capability because we want to make sure. If we get if we get it to people that they know how to use it use it properly and we're also working with the churches we met with the um, ministerial alliance in Carroll County and they were very very excited to help us with it and then the third leg of trying to reach people well third of four legs that trying to reach people is um, answering the call which is the food delivery uh, food bank delivery service here. They do anywhere from 200 to 500 meals a week that they deliver all over the county. Uh, they distributed the surveys for us as well. And then the um, the fourth one is uh, uh, through the county assessor's office. For those of us who live in northwest Arkansas and the KUAF listening area who are in, you know, Fayetteville or Bentonville or Fort Smith who have reliable uh, service. Isn't it good for mm-hmm. us to also know that there are our neighbors who don't? Absolutely, and the more support we get. I mean, he, example, Glenn Howie, had never, the broadband director, had never been to Eureka Springs. And fortunately, when he was doing his road trip, our leg was the leg after uh, Bentonville. So he had to take 62. And after he got car sick, <laughs> he's you know he came in and he said, "I get your challenge." And I said, "Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, it's unique." And you know when you think about not only the education, not only the healthcare, we're a tourist town, so we may be a population of twenty one, twenty two hundred people, but we swell to a million four. We're growing in population. Um, we think, thanks in part to COVID because it just really shined a light on places with high quality of life and outdoor like Eureka Springs. So the counties had 
population growth and the cities had population growth. And the realtors have told us when people move here, the first thing when they're showing them a house or a lot, they pull out their phones and check for, you know, the signal. Sandy, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Kyle. It's good talking to you. Sandy Martin is the chair of the Eureka Springs Mayor's Task Force on Economic Development. She talked with me earlier this week. Before broadband, there was radio. Still is, actually. Yes. Uh, The Bella Vista Radio Club will host an amateur radio license class Saturday with a second session Saturday, July 29th. Classes take place at the Northwest Arkansas Law Enforcement Training Academy in Bella Vista. For more information, you can find Bella Vista Radio Club on Facebook. And before radio, there were meteorites, dinosaurs, and ancient Roman coins. All of those items and many more are part of the University of Arkansas Museum Collection. Saturday, July 29th, there will be an opportunity to spend an evening with the museum's popular collections. It's part of an open house with food, activities, and an outdoor movie. It can also be an opportunity for K-12 educators to learn more about museum resources. Area groups taking part include the Arkansas Air and Military Museum, Arkansas Archaeological Survey, Washington County Historical Society, Scott Family Amazium, UARC Space Hogs, and more. For information, you can visit uamuseum.uark.edu. Later this hour, the third annual Chamber Music on the Mountain Festival is happening now through July 29th. We'll have a small sample of what can be heard this summer. Music from inside the Furman Garner Performance Studio later on today's show. People listen to NPR to catch up on the news, but also to fascinate their curious minds. Join us for information and inspiration on Morning Edition from NPR News. Morning Edition with your local host, Daniel Carruth, every weekday morning from 5 to 9 on KUAF. And you can listen to us anywhere with the free online stream at KUAF.com, or you can ask your smart speaker to play KUAF. A planned amusement park and resort in northeastern Oklahoma could represent a $2 billion investment in the region. Yesterday, Oklahoma State and local officials joined leadership with American Heartland to announce the American Heartland theme park and resort. According to a press release, the construction just west of Grand Lake on Route 66 will happen in phases. The first, described in that press release as a large-scale RV park with cabins, is scheduled to be open in 2025. The American Heartland literature describes the next phase as a world-class theme park scheduled to be open in 2026. The project includes 1,000 acres of development with a 125-acre amusement park. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who is seeking the Republican nomination for president, could possibly be excluded from the Republican debates that will start next month. The Republican National Committee requires candidates running for president to have at least 40,000 unique donors contribute to their campaign. According to Politico, about 5,000 donors have contributed to Hutchinson's campaign so far. In an interview with ABC News, Hutchinson said he believes he will be able to make it onto the debate stage. We're not there yet. We need a lot of help to get there. But it's really important. Uh, Obviously, the voters are now starting to get tuned in with the Iowa caucus six months away, as you said. Uh, And so this debate is a a way to to contrast the candidates uh, between themselves and their ideas. So it is important. We're working very hard to get there. 
According to the Federal Election Commission, Hutchinson's campaign has raised about $580,000. The former governor will have until August 21st to submit proof to the RNC that he has met the requirements to be included in the debates. The first debate is scheduled for August 24th. State and local officials are keeping track of recent bear sightings in Mount Sequoia Woods. Late last week, Fayetteville Parks and Recreation issued a public warning after a mother bear and cub were sighted there. The second bear sighting in the area reported this summer. Myron Means, large carnivore program coordinator with the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, works to control the state's black bear population. He says the appearance of a mother bear and cub is unusual. Because usually sows are pretty good about keeping their cubs out of harm's way, so to speak, kind of keeping them isolated, you know, keeping them out in the woods where they should be. American black bears prefer wilderness settings away from people, but will encroach on human habitat, attracted by gardens, fruit trees, compost bins, pet food trash, even bird feeders. Means says a young male bear was recently trapped in Springdale and relocated to White Rock National Forest near Winslow. Uh, it's not unusual at all for bears to show up in urban areas, especially young uh, males, a year and a half old males that mom has kicked out of the nest, so to speak, weaned them. And uh, that's when she'll drive her offspring away, typically in May, April and May of the year when they're a year and a half old. So they just kind of end up wandering around. Uh, for probably the next two to three years of their life until they become three or four years of age, old enough to establish a territory and a home range. Experts advise if you encounter a bear, don't run, but remain quiet and back away slowly, maintaining eye contact until the bear leaves. And the best thing you can do when you're hiking in uh, anywhere in bear country in Arkansas, whether it be Mount Sequoia, the Highlands Trail, or anywhere in the Ozarks, you know, just uh, just make some noise when you're hiking. I mean, you know, whistle or sing or just talk a little louder than normal. Uh, most people, no, most avid hikers would probably be amazed at how many bears they've almost encountered in the wild if they do a lot of hiking in the Ozarks. Uh, but, you know, typically if a bear knows you're there, uh, if he hears you or she, he or she hears you or sees you, they're going to go the other direction. And you'll never even know they were there. Three things that will be hard for me to do if I see a bear is not run, <laughs> remain quiet, and make eye contact. Just telling you that right now. Means, Means believes the mama bear and cub have likely moved on now with no sightings in recent days. Signs have been posted on Mount Sequoia by Fayetteville Parks Department just in case. In the early 1800s, Arkansas was known as the bear state with a bear population exceeding more than 50,000. Today, Means says about 6,000 black bears inhabit the state. Another July day, another set of advisories about heat. The National Weather Service is placing another excessive heat warning over western Arkansas and eastern Oklahoma until 9 o'clock tonight. Highs in the Fort Smith metro area are expected to top out at 99, with heat index readings around 111. In northwest Arkansas, there is a heat advisory until 9 o'clock tonight, with afternoon highs around 96 and heat index readings reaching 106. And the Northwest Arkansas Naturals will seek a third consecutive win against the Tulsa Drillers tonight at Arvest Ballpark in Springdale. Nats defeated Tulsa 4-3 last night to move within two games of the Texas League North first place in the season's second-half standings. Tonight's first pitch scheduled for 7.05. Brooks Blevins will sign and read from his book, 
up south in the Ozarks. Dispatches from the margins twice early next month. He'll be at the Fayetteville Public Library on August 2nd, beginning at 6 p.m. Then the next day, August 3rd at 2 p.m., he'll be at the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History in downtown Springdale. The book is a collection of essays written by Blevins, focusing on the people on the region's margins, from migrant workers to shape-note gospel singers to fireworks peddlers. The book is published by the University of Arkansas Press. Blevins, by the way, is the Noel Boyd Professor of Ozark Studies at Missouri State University. He's already written several other books about the Ozarks, including the three-volume A History of the Ozarks. Admission to both of those events, by the way, will be free. And he'll be a guest on Ozarks at Large next week, probably Tuesday. For more about the book and his visits to Northwest Arkansas, you can go to uapress.com. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Texas-based Waste Management has opened a $35 million renewable natural gas facility at the EcoVista landfill in Springdale. Randy Beck is the head of Waste Management's Renewable Energy Group, and we'll have some of his comments about that project on today's show. We'll also have details about a $25 million investment made by the Arkansas Teacher Retirement System. And the latest Northwest Arkansas Business Journal is out this week. I'll have a rundown of some of the contents you can find in the latest magazine. That's all ahead after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create health care solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Texas-based Waste Management plans to spend about $1.2 billion on renewable energy projects between now and 2026. One of the newest is in Springdale. About two months ago, Waste Management launched a renewable natural gas facility at the company's EcoVista landfill. That's south of Arbor Acres Avenue in Springdale. The facility is about a $35 million investment. It processes biogas generated during the decomposition of organic material in the landfill to produce renewable natural gas, a replacement for fossil natural gas. Randy Beck is Waste Management's Senior Director of Renewable Energy, and we discussed the Springdale facility a few days ago. Tell me what is um, significant about this facility in two parts, one for your company and two for, for Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, um, 
first off, my, my job at WM is all about finding beneficial uses of landfill gas. So I'm actually the guy that's trying to turn down or turn off the flares. And so in my, my goal is to get 65% of our landfill gas coming off of our landfills across the U.S. and Canada um, to find beneficial use projects for 65% of that gas we produce. And by 2030, I'd like to be up to 90%. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is a, another project that we've completed that kind of helps us get to that goal. Why, why this project and why at this time? You know, when um, we sit down and I look at the portfolio of WM landfills that are available to develop, and we, we pull out projects that we think, and, you know, first off, we, we're looking for projects that have good volumes of gas and that have the right mix of waste coming into the landfill that generates the right quality of gas that we're looking for. Then we start looking at the community and say, is this a community that we can, you know, that we can get a plant built easily? And so if, if you look at EcoVista landfill, it's a great opportunity because it's a growing landfill in a thriving community. Um, Northwest Arkansas is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. The state of Arkansas is a friendly state to do business. And that kind of allows us to expedite our permitting processes and our construction processes. And then lastly, Enable Pipeline um, was motivated and they were just fantastic to work with. So all the, you know, all the dominoes fell in the right direction between the, the state and, our, and the pipeline company that we work with to move this project through, um, you know, in an expeditious manner. And so it's been fantastic to work with the folks, and I'm glad this one's finally online. Are there tangible ways that you, that you could lay out that, that this benefits the, the Northwest Arkansas region? Yeah, I mean, first off, you know, we, we've created jobs with this facility, and there was, I don't know, 125 construction jobs during the building of the facility, and we've got four full-time operators there. Mm -hmm. So, and the other piece you have to kind of remember is that we're going to be using local businesses and local vendors to support the supply needs of this project, and so that, that always has a, a little bit of an intangible benefit, but you know, it helps to stimulate the local economy. So first and foremost, it's that. The other thing it does is it brings some more much needed natural gas into Northwest Arkansas, which, you know, and I think during the uh, the freeze we had a couple of years ago was was probably a big deal for y'all. And it's, it's better to be improving the infrastructure and bringing more natural gas into the area. Okay. Um, and then lastly, I think the other one that, you know, I, I know you've already received a fair amount of information, but if you just think of, you know, we're going to make enough gas to, to basically heat up 25,000 homes, or we can power, um, I don't know, about 650 heavy-duty vehicles off of the gas coming out of that. But if you just think about the the size of that little facility can basically provide enough gas to, you know, to power a, a, a town or to... Uh, to provide the gas needs of a small city. I think that's pretty amazing. In addition to EcoVista, Waste Management owns Arkansas landfills in Danville, North Little Rock, and Pine Bluff. Beck said they are on the radar for possible RNG facilities, but there aren't any immediate plans to do so. In other recent headlines, you can find at nwabusinessjournal.com 
J.B. Hunt's second quarter financial performance stumbled amid the ongoing freight recession. After the markets closed on Tuesday, the trucking company reported that second quarter earnings declined by nearly 26% from the same period last year, and revenue was down about 18%. The Arkansas Teacher Retirement System is investing $25 million in publicly traded West Rock Coffee Company of Little Rock. Now that deal provides the retirement system with 2.5 million shares in West Rock stock. And the latest issue of the Business Journal is out this week. On the cover, Kim Souza traces the history and growth of Sam's Club, which opened its first store 40 years ago. We've also got a profile of McAdoodle's founder and CEO, Roger Gildahouse. He's a retired Walmart executive who continues to thrive in his 50th year working in the retail business. We've also got a construction update on the new J.B. and John L. Hunt Children's Safety Center of Washington County that's going up near Arvest Ballpark in Springdale. We'll look at the mid-year home sales numbers and what might the economic impact be of a new pro soccer club in Rogers. All that and much more are in the latest issue, and you can read the digital version for free at nwabusinessjournal.com. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. Let's talk music. To help me do that here inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studios, Timothy Dennis. We're starting with tomorrow night. Okay, thank you. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville for their happy hour show is going to have Isaiah's All-Stars. They're going to perform an Allman Brothers tribute set. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, you know, Isaiah's All-Stars, they're the band, I think, that could actually pull yes. it off. Cover for that show is $8. Starts at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. The late show at George's tomorrow night is going to feature Arkansas. me feeling blue Because I've lived a life of excess and I got a ways to go, I can't wait to see what's next. Me and mine, killing time, ain't no waste of breath. Always fun. Always fun. Cover for that show is $18, starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's the late show at George's in Fayetteville. So the Isaiah All-Star Allman Brothers tribute, that's the early show. Yeah, that's the happy okay. hour set. Okay, wow. Moving on, at Kingfish in Fayetteville tomorrow night, they are going to have the one-ounce jig on stage. That show starts at about 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Kingfish in Fayetteville. Happening up the road in Bentonville tomorrow night, Meteor Guitar Gallery is going to welcome the Reeves Brothers. Uh-huh. A great country band. I drank more than my fair share of whiskey. Been in quite a few of those honky-tonk bars. The hangover. Tickets are $10 in advance. They go up to $15 at the door. That starts at about 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at the Meteor in Bentonville. Over in Eureka Springs tomorrow night, Chelsea's is going to have Lightning Malcolm in the house. I'm unfamiliar with Lightning Malcolm. He is a Mississippi blues player. His guitar style is kind of that bass, rhythm, and lead, mm. like finger style. Uh-huh. Should be really, really good.
Tickets for that show are $10. Starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Chelsea's over in Eureka Springs. The Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs tomorrow night is going to have the Patty Steele Trio. I love Patty. I know you do. I think every week I say that. But I think I do. so. I yes. think so. That gets underway at about 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Jumping ahead to Saturday night, Georgia's in Fayetteville is going to have an evening of hard rock and metal featuring bands from Northwest Arkansas, Fort Smith, and Little Rock. Some of those bands are Dirt Mother, Crankbait, Take Rest, Angel Flesh, Held Tight, Chest Hollow, and Haas. I think you just said seven bands. Yeah, I think so. I lost count. You don't know the answer to this probably, but when you've got that many bands in one night, are you just using the same equipment and you, I mean. I don't know. The takedown and setup would alone be a lot. All I know is Arlie, I'm sure, Arlie the Cellman at yeah. George's, he earns his keep on shows like that. No kidding. Not because it's metal, but because of the number of bands. Right, yeah. right. Cover is $5 in advance, goes up to $7 at the door. That's a dollar per band. Yeah, really? <laughs> and that show gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday evening. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Having a smoke and barrel in Fayetteville Saturday night, they're going to have a rock and roll show featuring Jess Harp. John Charles and Olympics. In the mess of everything around you. Wish I would have found you. Wrap my arms around you. You're wearing a Jess Harp shirt right now. You know, that's funny. I didn't even plan that. Yeah. Cover for that show is $10. Scheduled to start at 9 o'clock again. That's at Smoke and Barrel Saturday night in Fayetteville. Happening at Butterfield Stage in Rogers Saturday night, they're going to have a rock and roll show featuring the bands Ted Hammig and the Campaign and Right. That show starts at about 8 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at Butterfield Stage in Rogers. You can go for free, or if you want a designated place close to the stage, you can pay some money. And the great thing is there are plenty of restaurants and bars oh, yeah. and breweries and very it's a, nearby. It's an entertainment district, so you can get right. a beer or a drink to go. Right. Yeah. Moving on. Chelsea's in Eureka Springs Saturday night is going to have a reggae, funk, and fusion band from Tulsa called the Stylies. Mm-hmm. That show gets underway at about 9 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. The Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs Saturday night is going to have Dominic Brian Roy in the house. I'm drinking on a budget tonight. Hey, hey, I'm drinking on a budget tonight. Only got four dollars to my name. You can't point fingers when I'm to blame. I'm drinking on a budget tonight. That show gets underway at 7 o'clock. Again, that's Saturday night at the Gravel Bar. And then Got a Whole Brewing in Eureka Springs Saturday evening is going to have Pat Ryan Key in the house. Oh, wow. We've got miles to go. Now I'm that show gets underway at 6 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at Got a Whole Brewing in Eureka Springs. And then down in Winslow Saturday night, Ozark Folkways is going to have, in my opinion, one of the greatest folk duos from the Ozarks, the Creek Rocks. Oh, yeah. Oh, darkly the waters roll. 
they're asking for ten dollars of that show starts at about six o'clock saturday evening again that's at ozark folkways in wednesday oh that's gonna be a fun show sunday afternoon fable public library is going to have more reggae uh, for their Mountain Street Stage Series concert, they're featuring the Irie Lions. All right. It's at Fable Public Library. Starts at 2 o'clock. Admission is free. Again, that's Sunday afternoon. Yes. Sunday evening, Chelsea's in Eureka Springs is going to have a roll in good. And all of my friends are near. We are in a good mood. Because the good times are here. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't think of them as a Sunday night band for whatever I don't know. It's, it's not really night. It's kind of evening. It okay. starts at 5 o'clock. Perfect. And again, that's at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. Jumping ahead to Tuesday, George's in Fayetteville is going to have a blues show featuring Liam St. John. He's a blues artist based in Nashville and L.A. Sometimes when I'm down, I need a little pick-me-up. Something to flip and frown Sometimes the kiss just ain't enough Well, I promise you that I was through With railing all them lines but He's joined on that bill by artists Joshua Quimby and Evan Honer. Tickets are $20 in advance, go up to $25 at the door. That will start at 8 o'clock Tuesday night, again at George's in Fayetteville. Then jumping ahead to a week from today, next Thursday, it's the next installment for Live at Turnbow in Springdale. Mm-hmm. This month, they are featuring the alt-rock band Carver Commodore in town from Florence, Alabama. That is a free show. Starts at about 6.30 next Thursday night, again at Turnbow Park in Springdale. Also next Thursday, Bike Rack Brewing Company in Bentonville is going to have Randall Shreve on the patio. Fun. That gets underway at 7 o'clock next Thursday, again at Bike Rack Brewing Company in Bentonville. And that takes care of us for seven days. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. On the next episode of The R Word, hosts Lowell and Dustin speak with Dr. Soong Cheng Ra, an author, pastor, professor, and advocate for racial justice in the Christian church. There is something called internalization, where the system is so powerful and the individual uh, internalizes what the system teaches. And this is what I talk about with narratives and imagination, narratives, stories, uh, worldview, uh, ethics, ethos, culture, all of these things that become a part of the individual that they internalize from social narratives and societal pressure. You can listen to The R Word, a podcast that explores reparations role in racial, social, and economic justice in the Christian church for free at KUAF.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. The third annual Chamber Music on the Mountain Festival is underway. Almost every day or night from now until July 29th, Chamber Music will be performed, often on Mount Sequoia, but elsewhere too, including at the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks and the Medium in downtown Springdale. 
This week, the festival's artistic director, Tomoko Kashiwagi, visited with Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith and me, as did five musicians that will play during the festival. In a moment, we'll hear the music they performed for us in the Furman Gardner Performance Studio. First, Tomoko explaining how she approaches the festival as artistic director. Every summer I have a theme. Uh, first year was um, because of Mount Sequoia being our host. Um, I was thinking, okay, Native American Sequoia, who's Sequoia, why is it important? Um, and that really brought us some, I mean, I learned a lot from that process of reaching out to uh, composers who are Native American or uh, background or you know, just looking for something like that. So this year the festival is themed um, Chimri music past, present, and future. Uh, because it's Mount Sequoia's 100th centennial celebration year. And so we're really focusing on what has happened in the past, where are we with chamber music now, and what does, where are we going with this? Um, so uh, when I was looking at the repertoire, uh, the concert on the 22nd, which is a Saturday, it's one of our uh, feature concerts, it's, um, I chose music that's like literally 100 years apart, 1723, 1823 and 1923, which would be Mount about the time that Mount was established. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't find an Arkansas composer that fits that time, like a specific date, but I think it's also interesting how music was played in other parts of the world and um, how we can kind of see the progress of chamber music. And that connects us to the, the second week concert um, we have a, apple, a concert called Apple Blossom Concert, Apple Blossom being the state flower. Um, it features all Arkansas living composers. Um, I reached out to some composers around the state saying, chamber music, I need chamber music. What can I, can I play? And so I'm really glad to have um, very, very different um, uh, composer, group of composers who said, here's some music. Wow. And um, we have a current uh, University of Arkansas composition student who is going to also perform his piece. Um, the composers will be there, so if you want to talk to them about you know, their repertoire, um, I think it's just a unique concert that I was, I'm, I'm very grateful that they were willing to just say, I, wanna, I want you to play this piece. Tomoko Kashiwagi, Artistic Director of the Chamber Music of the Mountain Festival, speaking with Rachel Sanchez-Smith and me earlier this week. And Tomoko did not come to our studios alone. Also with her, Daniel Valesco, flute, Meredith Hicks and Charlotte Crosmer, violins, Timothy McDuff, viola, and Paco singer, cello. The five musicians performed inside the Furman Garner Performance Studio. <laughs> Thank you. 
Can you tell us a little bit about this piece and what listeners just heard? Yeah, the piece that we just played is called uh, Impresiones de la Puna by an Argentinian composer um, named uh, Alberto Ginastera. And we play the last movement for you, which is called Danza or Dance. And uh, this piece comes from his um, um, nationalist uh, era of composing, where he was exploring a lot of the you know, Argentinian folk dances and, and, and genres. And uh, this particular one comes from, as the title suggests, from this region called Puna, which is um, in the Andes. You know, the Andean uh, uh, region of, of Argentina and also Bolivia and Peru. So he was inspired by that, and you that's what you heard in this last uh, danza movement. And I could hear that in, in parts of the piece, um, kind of this folk, I don't even know how to say it in English, like folk, folk-ish, yeah, like folklorico, like a exactly. kind of traditional um, and I'm from Peru, so also the Andean mountains. I kind of you heard you. It's crazy how you can hear the different sounds of places and kind of magically be transported there. That's so much fun. Yeah, and the other two movements are called uh, Kena, which is the first movement. Kena is a is a cane uh, flute from the Andes, and the the second movement is called um, Cancion, which is just it means song. Timothy, you're the the person who is closest to the microphone who who did this during the piece. So I'm going to ask a very basic non-musician question. All right? Okay. So during part of that, for lack of a musical term, you're plucking as opposed to using the bow. Mm -hmm. It seems to me, and I'm watching very carefully, there's a lot that has to happen there with you and your your musical colleagues to make sure it all works. I mean, it's rhythm, it's it's dexterity. Is it different? Because it, it's not in every piece. So is it a different sort of preparation or mindset? I think for this movement, specifically, where some of us are plucking, we're reacting to what Pecos or Cellist is doing, and it's really feeling that groove all together, which is a big part of dance, is feeling the groove. So as long as we're all feeling that together, then it's super easy and, and fun. Um, and so that's why, we, that's why we have to rehearse, so we can all feel that groove the same way. How important is eye contact as well as ear contact? Oh, it's very important. It's it's very subtle way of communicating when you play chamber music. There's physical emotions. There's looking at one another so that you know okay, we're at this spot, or even when someone starts, we were all looking at our cellist Pecos who starts, so it's really important to know who you're playing with. Yeah, for the listeners um, at home who weren't, you know, joyed enough or uh, grateful enough to, <laughs> to be able to see this, um, there was a lot, right? These kind of this nonverbal communication, this language that you have to speak, um, that we have no idea, you know, what goes on behind the curtain, uh, even as much as we're seeing it. Um, I wonder, is there anything that, you know, audiences don't see or listeners don't hear that you can kind of cover up in the music or kind of the, the nuance of trying to communicate um, an orchestra and and um, group of more than five people. Is there a, a kind of rhythm to that? Well, I think, I think this answers part of your question, but a big, a big question that 
I'm sure many of us have received throughout our musical careers is, did anybody mess up <laughs> after the concert? And the answer is usually yes. Really? It's live music. That's what makes it really exciting is there's always the chance that something can go wrong when you're listening to a recording. It's sort of perfected and distilled. And so live music is really fun because we are in that moment. The, the performance can never be done the same way again. Right, um, never replicated. And most people who are asking that question are asking because it, they thought it sounded really beautiful and great mm -hmm. and that there wouldn't be any mistakes. So I think that that's definitely true, that there are things that are hidden or just things that we would know after the performance. To have this nearly two-week festival where you're together, right? I mean, you're not just rehearsing. You're not performing. I imagine you are doing things that friends do, catching up. Does, can that be reflected in performance? Absolutely. I think um, one of the things what just Tim mentioned, um, and I think what answers some of the part question about, you know, how do we try to play perfectly? Okay, so perfectly is probably not the, the best word. Um, but I think maybe if we can change the perception or how we approach, especially live music, is that when things are just additional influence from the room. That's why I love chamber music. You can have somebody breathe or gasp in between a silence because they're so excited. That excites us as a performer, and that adds something. And I think that's another thing about um, you know, being able to have this luxury of time. Um, we ate together a couple times already in the last 48 hours, or even less, I think. <laughs> and we talk about you know what happened during the year. We been friends for a while. Um, for some of my colleagues here, it's been a really long time. Um, and knowing the little, I don't know if you can call it a tick, but you know you know how somebody prepares. You can feel the, the energy from each of us, and it definitely adds to the performance. So when we have somebody new, it's always exciting. It adds a different dimension to the performance. And I think that's the beauty you know, of live performance. Like you know, Tim said, we can have a recording, which is micromanaged, tuned perfectly, canceled all the noises and extra things. And that's a beauty in that. But for live performance, and especially for chamber music, I just think it's so special to have this influence that excites the music more. Moko Kaziwagi is the artistic director for the Chamber Music on the Mountain Festival. We also heard music performed by Daniel Valesco, Meredith Hicks, Charlotte Crosmer, Timothy McDuff, and Peiko Singer. They all joined Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith and me in the Furman Garner Performance Studio earlier this week. Also this week, the Mid-America Arts Alliance announced the festival would receive a $15,000 Artistic Innovation Award for fiscal year 2024. The festival continues this weekend with the concert Folk Traditions and Chamber Music at the Ozark Mountain Smokehouse tomorrow night at 6.30, the Century Apart concert at Miller Lodge on Mount Sequoia Saturday night at 7, and a free Spotlight concert Sunday afternoon at 1, that too, in Miller Lodge. A full schedule can be found at chambermusiconthemountain.org. We have to continue to carve out a space for Blacks and African Americans to really feel fully invested in our community here in Northwest Arkansas. Mm. On the latest episode of The Beloved Community, a podcast with the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council and KUAF, 
Hosts and council members Chris Seawood and Lindsay Leverett Higgins discuss the council's efforts to develop strategies aimed at improving black life in Northwest Arkansas through a new electronic census project. What is it that we're missing in Northwest Arkansas that is a vast need, a desire for people in our community? Mm. We want to make sure that we're connecting with the community so that the data really has an opportunity to speak and to tell the story. Listen to the beloved community for free at KUAF.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Says Ozarks at Large, yesterday I had the chance to talk with Jamie Harris about her music and the songs on her most recent album, Boomerang Town. To me, it's like the lineage of a lot, like a lot of things, and I think it's a it's a couple that has the hopes of breaking a cycle that seems to have been repeated in their families with addiction and um, abuse. And I think that um, you know, my I come from a family like that, and my parents had me on accident. I was kind of the reason for the season why they got married. Um, and they are very much in love and have a business in my hometown and love it. Um, and my dad came from a pretty complicated, trauma-filled background, but was able to break that cycle. Jamie Harris will perform at the Folk School of Fayetteville Saturday night. We'll share our conversation on tomorrow's show at noon and 7 p.m. Timothy Dennis, you've talked to her before. I have a couple times, actually. She's a great musician. She's a great interviewee, like just a great person, too. And and our conversation was wonderful, uh, really meaningful, and I can't wait to share it on tomorrow's show. I can't wait to hear it. In the background is Horace Silver playing his composition, The Outlaw, And I'm Robert Ginsberg, your host for Shades of Jazz. On this edition of the show, we will hear more from Horace Silver, as well as an interview with Stan Kessler, leader of the group Horoscope, who will be performing in Northwest Arkansas. We'll also hear Jackie McLean, Thelonious Monk, Youssef Latif, and much more. Join me this Friday and Saturday. Shades of Jazz with your local host, Robert Ginsberg, every Friday evening at 10 o'clock on KUAF 91.3 FM or Saturday mornings at 11 on KUAF 3. You can listen to KUAF 3 with your HD radio. You can stream it at KUAF.com or you can tell your smart speaker to play KUAF 3. This is 91.3 FM, KUAF Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Sulphur Springs. Contributors today included Rachel Sanchez-Smith and Paul Gatling. Jacqueline Froelich provided the reporting on the bear sightings in the Mount Sequoia Woods in Fayetteville, and our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Additional reporting today provided by the news staff at KUAR Radio in Little Rock. Timothy put the show together in the Herald and Blanchcock News studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio. And our Thursday thanks to Stephanie Brock for her help out as well. All right, Timothy, what are your plans for the weekend? I know it's Thursday. Uh, I've got family coming in from Oklahoma, going to show them around, probably going to Herman's for lunch or dinner this weekend. Nice. You've told me about their ribs. I think that's what I'm going to go with. I mean, I've been, oh my gosh, for 30 years I've been eating their ribs. Well, that's that's endorsement enough for me. If if I don't go with ribs, what would you suggest? Okay. Here's the thing. I'm a creature of habit. Mm -hmm. And as many times as I've been to Herman's, I think every time I've gotten the ribs. Yeah. Everyone so, else says it's the steaks. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, I can get steak anywhere. Ribs, good ribs are hard to come by. All right. Well, I'll be anxious to hear a report. <laughs> okay. Eager to hear a report, not anxious. <laughs> um, let's see. You can find 
past editions of our show at ozarksatlarge.com plus individual stories. All of them have links that you can share in social media or uh, through email. And I'm back tomorrow solo at noon and 7 with a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large. You and I will get back together sometime next week. All right. All right. Well, have a good time with your family this weekend in from Oklahoma. Thank you. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm Timothy Dennis. Please be well and have yourself a great rest of your Thursday. The Fayetteville Jazz Collective Big Band takes the stage for a night of jazz in the Crystal Bridges North Forest Concert Series, July 22nd, beginning at 7 p.m. It's a traditional 18-piece jazz big band featuring Northwest Arkansas musicians that performs a mix of the classics of the swing era to the modern age of big band music, as well as compositions by band members and local composers. More at digjazz.com.